The following is a production of JSC Media. Stay, Stay ready. ready. You're listening to the People's Podcast. I was honest. Was I brutally honest? Yes. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that that's the problem. Everybody's so scared to be honest with one another. This is JSC Radio. I like to say that I'm a nice asshole only because <laughs> I don't like people. I feel like I hate when people t- try to take advantage of you. Like, I can't tell you the number of times people try to say, oh, I want to pick your brain. Pause. You're not picking my brain. You're paying me for my knowledge. Mm-hmm. And then you're acknowledging me for sharing that knowledge with you. So that's why I know I could be a little bit of an asshole. But also, you can't let people take advantage of you either. You have to know who's coming at you with good intentions. Because if I'm sharing an email, what's to say you can't go online and find the email yourself? I've done that plenty of times. So I know that I've been a little bit on the jerk side, but the information is all out there. People just want a loophole and a shortcut. So information that you can find yourself. You're listening to The People's Podcast. This is JSC radio ladies and gentlemen boys and girls children of all ages hey now how the hell is everyone doing my name is jay scott smith and this is the 112th episode of the people's podcast this is jay S-C Radio. But you can also call us J. Scott Confidential if you want to put some respect on the name. What's going on, everybody? J. Scott Smith here. Great to be with you for yet another one of these damn podcasts. And again, I am coming to you live from my bathroom here in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Why? Because it has the best possible sound. I want to shout out everybody who's checking us out across all the different podcast providers, including Apple Podcasts, iTunes, on SoundCloud and Stitcher, on Radio.com and TuneIn, on CastBox and Google Podcasts, Podchaser, Overcast, iHeartRadio, and of course, on Spotify and everywhere else you get your podcast. If it puts podcasts out there, if you put in J. Scott Confidential, it's a pretty damn good chance you're going to find this podcast on there. I want to shout out my man, Doc Gillingsworth, as well as Awesome Jones and my man, Chef K-Dot. All three of y'all coming out of that Motor City. Of course, Doc Gillingsworth just brings you the soundtrack of this damn podcast every single damn time. He's been doing it for four years. My man, Awesome Jones who brings you the theme music that you hear played at the start of this podcast. It's called Blue Chucks. I put their information in the description of this podcast. Of course, my man, Chef K-Dot, he's always got something cooking up in the kitchen, and I got something from him coming up a little bit later on in this here podcast. Of course, we're on Amazon. If you want to get your podcast off the ground, I've got a few things for your ass that you can use to get your podcast off the ground. It's amazon.com slash shop slash J Scott Smith. Be sure to hit that up. The link to that is also in the description. And of course, of course, don't forget you can also check us out on social media. I'm on social media at J Scott Smith. That's J-A-Y-S-C-O, two T's. S-M-I-T-H. That's J. Scott Smith on Twitter. J. Scott Smith on Instagram. I am real J. Scott Smith on Facebook because I am original. Cannot forget that. And of course, the show is on 
social media. It's at JSC Radio no matter where you look. It's at JSC Radio on Instagram. It's at JSC Radio on Twitter. It's at JSC Radio on the Facebook. And be sure to hit us up on YouTube as well. We are bit.ly slash JSC Tube. I gave you the short link to make it so easy to get there. It's also, you guessed it, in the description of this podcast no matter where your ass is. We got a guest for episode 112. Because we are in the midst of social distancing, and I hope to God that you guys are staying your ass at the crib. Don't listen to a lot of these idiot politicians who are willing to open up this country and open up parts of these states and basically feed you to the friggin' wolves that is COVID-19. Stay home. And this is a special message, really quick, to the state of Michigan. Stay your ass at home. Don't listen to these dum-dums who live in these rural communities who they don't give a damn about places like Detroit and Flint and Lansing and Saginaw and Kalamazoo and Grand Rapids where a lot of people who look like you and me live. They don't care about us. All they care about is their precious economy. There is no economy if there are no people. Stay home. This ain't easy. It's tough on us out here in Philadelphia. It's really hard where our guest this week is in New York City. Yes, I know. It's New York City! Exactly. It's really hard for everybody up there in NYC. It's just as tough for people out west in California. I got I got friends of mine out there in Seattle who they've been dealing with this early. I got family in Georgia, as I mentioned in the last episode. I got two of my dad's sisters. Both had it. One lives in Atlanta, Georgia, just got out of the hospital. Georgia, what the hell is going on down there? Your governor is a doofus. Opening up movie theaters, restaurants, tattoo parlors, bowling alleys, hair salons. I'm hearing that nail salons are packed down there. Have you lost your damn mind? I I don't get it. Those goofball protests that we had in Michigan last week, the ones that had spread across the country like a virus. There's that really insane photo from the Columbus dispatch of these protests in Columbus, Ohio, where they were all in front of the state capitol looking like the zombies they are. This is tough on all of us. Absolutely tough on all of us. I would much prefer to be in a much more studio-like setting doing these podcasts, of course. I would love to be able to have a lot more freedom. We're getting into the month of May at the end of this week. In fact, by the time this thing drops, May 1st will be tomorrow. And we all want to get out and enjoy enjoy life. I do. Mentioned it last episode. This is the this is the time of the year when business starts to pick up. This place starts to come alive. We would be in the midst of the NBA playoffs. I mean, not the Pistons, but we would be in the midst of the NBA playoffs. And the midst of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Baseball season would be rolling along. Everything would be great, but it's not. And I'm not going to go into a long screed about how we got here. You all know how we got here. By the way, uh, no, we're not going to be hitting ourselves with Lysol inhalers or Clorox chewables. We're not doing that. But you know how we got here. Now it's a matter of trying to see our way out the right way. The right way way, which means you might have to stay your ass in the crib, and it sucks. It's annoying. It's awful. 
But you know what's worse? When a relative of yours is in an induced coma, a medically induced coma because of COVID-19. When another one is on a ventilator because of COVID-19. When friends of yours are dying. People you know, family members. These horrible stories out of Detroit where whole families are getting clipped. Michigan lost a state legislator to this. I don't know what else I can say. This ain't easy. We're all kind of pushing through this. But don't be in a big old rush to get back to normal because we ain't going to be normal when we get back. This is, this is uncharted waters. Brand new territory. And in a city like New York, a city I've grown to really, really respect and really like over these last six years I've been living on the East Coast, for New York to be on virtual lockdown because of this, this shit is important. This is real. This is real. Grow up. I want to play golf. Who cares? Play mini golf in your backyard. Sit, sit this out. It's, it's really not that hard. So that's the thing. Do I like recording from my bathroom? Not really. It's convenient, but not really. Little side note, I'm going to be doing a quick video that's going to go up on the IGTV and YouTube feeds. Because, again, got to remind you fools that even after all this is over, you'll still need to wash your damn hands. And I'm going to show you how to get down and do it the right way. I hate that I have to do that, but still. But also, I would much rather prefer to be able to do some of these interviews in person. Because I had some plans to go up to New York City before all this COVID stuff happened last month that just basically torpedoed everything. But yeah, I would love to get back to doing these interviews in person and being able to go out. We've had some really nice nights recently here in Philadelphia. And can't nobody go to a restaurant. Can't nobody go to a concert, a show. You can't hang out. You can't go to a baseball game. We know how much this sucks. But once we can finally get on the other side of this, and it's probably going to be a while, once we get on the other side of this, at least get to the point where we can treat this thing, God, God willing, get a vaccine for it, then we can really start to plan out how to rock and roll with this. But yeah, I'm tired of being around the house, basically only being able to go three, four places and having to put on masks and everything else. But I do it and I'm going to keep doing it. And you should, too. Because when we go forward with this thing, it's only going to get better as we go along because, hell, it couldn't get any worse. But just think about that. Think about the idea of is it really that important that you buy some grass seed when it could put your whole family in danger? And don't act like you care about the plight of the unemployed. Don't act like you care about people being driven to commit crime or commit suicide or lose their livelihoods because you didn't care about it beforehand. Now you get two or three weeks where you don't have to work or you're not able to work, and now all of a sudden you care about the plight of the unemployed? Mm -mm. I don't want to hear that. Nobody else does either because nobody takes you seriously because you didn't care beforehand, so don't act like you care now. I say that as someone who was unemployed and nobody gave a damn about him. We don't want to hear it. Stand strong. Places like Detroit, like Chicago, D.C. Stand strong. And of course, in New York City, where we head after this break, when I welcome in my guest, Miss Erica Fernandez. We had a hell of a conversation. It was really fun. 
And it's going to be the first time in a while we're going to have a lot of sports-centric stuff on this podcast, which is where this thing started from the very beginning was as a sports podcast. But I get to bring in my good friend, Miss Erica Fernandez. She came to us from Queens, from New York City, and she will be coming up here on the 112th episode of the People's Podcast. This is J. Scott Confidential, better known as JSC Radio. We talk to Miss Erica Fernandez coming up after this. Social distancing slows the spread of coronavirus, so we all need to stay home to lower the risk for everyone. More info at ny.gov coronavirus. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by New York State and the Ad Council. You're listening to the People's Podcast. I'm not going to be responsible for what happens next. This is JSC Radio. Hey now, J. Scott Smith here. Of course, you know, I am the host of JSC Radio, which you have heard on Stitcher from the very beginning. Because in case a lot of you don't remember, Stitcher was the first major podcast platform to pick up my show. And now they want to give something back to each and every one of you listeners on Stitcher. Introducing Stitcher Premium. You can listen to some of your favorite shows ad free, mind you. With Stitcher Premium for only $4.99 a month or, if you prefer, $34.99 a year. You can get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, comedy albums, and so much more. Listen to shows like the Fantasy Footballers ad-free. Or you can get shows like Dunk on Basketball and, of course, JSC Radio. Simply go to Stitcher.com slash premium to sign up today. That's Stitcher.com slash premium premium to sign up today and when you go there drop in the promo code jsc and get you one free month of stitcher premium don't ever say i ain't do nothing for y'all remember it's stitcher.com slash premium to sign up today and get one month free by dropping that promo code jsc it's just that simple baby get on stitcher premium right now and you can get the best in podcasting America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. You're listening to the People's Podcast. You can't say F you to your granddaughter? I just did, Morty. Here's dessert. F*** you. This is J.S.C. Radio. Don't hate the player, hate the game, son. This is the 112th episode of the People's Podcast. This is J. Scott Confidential, but you can call it J.S.C. Radio. Welcome back. Jay Scott Smith here. Check it in from the bathroom. Again, it has the best sound in the entire place. And bringing you our next and latest guest here on the People's Podcast. And her name is Erica Fernandez. And she's coming to us from New York City. New York City. 
Yes, indeed. And if you see her on social media, her handle is Curls and Sports because she's got a lot of curls and she knows a hell of a lot about sports. Now, she's someone who I met her on Instagram, not Instagram, on Twitter a while back, and she's just an amazing conversation. And it's really great to talk to her because she definitely knows what she's talking about. She's a, fr- she's a proud alum of Fordham University in the Bronx. She was born and raised in New York City and truly prides herself on her sense of humor, which will definitely come through during this whole conversation, as well as just her love to make people smile. She's been in the business seven years. She's covered a wide range of events from sports and entertainment. She most recently was working with DAZN, but she's also worked with Black Sports Online. She's covered the New York Knicks, and she is a massively huge fan of the New York Mets. It's time to get to know Miss Erica Fernandez here on the 112th episode of the People's Podcast. This is J. Scott Confidential, better known as JSC Radio. So sidle up. I hope you're sitting your ass at home and being safe and staying safe out there in the midst of this pandemic. And she will talk about what it's like to be up there and really the epicenter of the entire COVID-19 pandemic in New York City. Let's get down to business and get into this conversation with Miss Erica Fernandez. You're listening to the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Welcome to Jay Scott Confidential as we are all quarantining out here hiding in our in our living rooms and our basements our bathrooms i've recorded part of this episode (laughs) in my bathroom i am not as you can see if you're watching this on the video i am not sitting in my bathroom i'm actually sitting in the living room and i'm talking to erica fernandez and we've we've gone back and forth on twitter for a while but this is the first time i've actually seeing you albeit not technically in in person (laughs) in the flesh Coming to us from New York City. Where in where in the city are you? Which borough are you coming from? I'm actually in Queens, so I'm sure that you guys have been paying attention to a lot of the news, and that's like the hardest hit borough during COVID nineteen. So, and, yeah. and and we can go right into that too. So, as someone who's in New York, Philly, Philly, we I guess we're kind of next on the list. These yeah, places, unfortunately, my my hometown, Detroit, has been just drilled by this thing oh yeah well, we've, we've been talking on the side about how much like the state of michigan oh god <laughs> you know, I, and, and part yeah. of the mo- part of the monologue before this really went into those idiots in michigan that that yeah. and my that was a total embarrassment you guys in new york have had like you taking the shit that we've dealt with in michigan and you multiply it by like a thousand and that's what's going on out there what is like life like in queens right now and up in the city because I've only heard so much about it, yeah. but you guys are living this shit right now. Exactly. What's it like yeah. for you guys up there? Well, not to quote that Cardi B video, but I mean, at first it was hilarious. We were all making a joke about it, but this shit is really real, you know? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> Cuomo yesterday, I mean, not for nothing. Like I before this, I didn't really agree with a lot of stuff that Cuomo was doing. And that's a whole other topic. But the way he's handled this, I just have so much more respect for him now more than ever before like he i don't know if you saw the press conference from yesterday but i was I, I was on the edge of my seat and he was he was basically just telling the president off and i said wow is this for real let's respond to the uh, president uh first of all if he's sitting home watching tv maybe he should get up and go to work right so the projections were high they were the president's projections so for him to say to anyone, well, 
you relied on projections and the projections were wrong, they're your projections, Mr. President. And I don't need the President of the United States to read the Constitution for me. Maybe he should have read the Constitution before he said he had the power to open the states. He's saying he doesn't want to provide funding to the states and he doesn't want to help on testing. And I can tell you the states can't do it otherwise. And if this testing doesn't work, that's a serious problem. I had to kind of eggs out of it just to see. I'm like, wait, this is live. <laughs> okay, so he's dead ass going in. I'm like, all right, cool. Clap. <laughs> this but, is live, live. Like, yeah, he's... like it's exactly. It's live, live. But um, yeah, like, you know, we all have to wear masks out here. But in the middle of March, it was definitely a, little, a lot of chaos. Um, I remember I went to Costco. It was, I think I was in Costco for three hours. It was, it was lines on lines just to get into any place. But People weren't taking it seriously because people still thought it was like a media hype. Whatever it is, what it is. Those are those people that thought that. And now they're like, oh, now it's hitting me. Now it's affecting my job, my 401ks. People that are laid off, like we're seeing rates of unemployment that are astronomical. And trying to get through to the phone to these people, it's even worse only because they weren't ready for this amount of volume to attack them. But, um, you know, they have the celebrations going on every night at 7 p.m. to applaud um, medical staff as well as first responders, which is really dope. You know, people go outside their windows, grab a big old pot and start hammering it up, which is really dope <laughs> to see. You, you kind of get like, wow, so we're all not just rude New Yorkers. We have a little bit of a salt side <laughs> to us. <laughs> you guys are, because uh, I've been in and out of New York for the last few years. I moved east <laughs> six years ago. I spent one year in Jersey. I've been in Philly for the last five years. And oh, yeah? I've got that. I've gotten to know the city really well. I, I've I dated a girl who lived in the Bronx and I've, I've been I've had my time back and forth in there. New York is a it's a much different place than what us yokels in the Midwest have gotten to think <laughs> of New York City or Philly, for that matter. And there's 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 a diff, it's a different kind of attitude in New York. You can't be soft oh, yeah. coming <laughs> through the city of New York, but yeah. y'all are really good people. It's just that. You're a little bit louder than we are in the Midwest. It's yeah. like the only thing. Definitely do have tough skin. Like walking to through Times Square, I have no patience. I think I've told off tourists a thousand times. Like, can y'all move the <laughs> fuck up, boy? <laughs> <laughs> just just walling out unnecessarily. But it's like that's how much like it's crazy. Like how much our attitudes come out just because someone in front of you is walking slower than you are. <laughs> I've heard the walking the walking slow in New York stories is like people and and maybe it's because I'm very impatient. That even people who walk slow anywhere, whether it's here in Philly, whether it was I was in Jersey, in New York, or or yeah. Detroit, or wherever else, I get kind of that same way where it's like, fam, you got you you can speed it up. <laughs> and one time I'll never forget, I was it's funny. One time I, I forgot where the hell in Brooklyn I was, but I was leaving a doctor's appointment, and I was strolling, taking my time. I was texting and walking, and some guy who I'm sure wasn't born here, who was as we call him, like an immigrant to the city from like, <laughs> somewhere in Kansas. Um, he had the nerve to tell me, why don't you walk a little faster? I was like, hold up. You flew here. I grew here. Like I cursed him out in the middle of the street. Like, no, shut up. <laughs> yep. like, I'm not messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not very much a short fuse. It's a problem. <laughs> now, now you're, now you obviously are from New York. You grew up, you grew up in Queens. In between Queens and the Bronx, but I was born in Brooklyn, so I definitely hit three out of the five boroughs. <laughs> <laughs> you got three out of five. Born in Brooklyn, split between Bronx and Queens. Yeah. And I'm because I'm, I'm not sure exactly how far apart we are in age, but I know we both pretty much came of age in like the 80s and 90s. 
What yeah. was it like? I was born in 88. So you're born in 88. So I'm, I got you about almost 10 years. Wow. But it's like you were, but you came up in, you came up in New York of the 80, of the 90s going into the 2000s. Yeah. What was that like out there in New York City growing up in the 90s where everything I knew about New York coming in Detroit was like, yeah. I knew all about New York's hip hop scene. And every time I yeah. saw New York, it was just like, I felt like I was kind of peeking into a rap video, but I know you're actually, you're really living this yeah. at that time period. What was that like for you while you were out there? Well, I actually have to shout out to my brother because he put me onto a lot of it. Like um, the locks album that just turned 20 a couple weeks ago, like that album, we are oh the streets. God. He, I remember when he bought it, he bought Capital Punishment. Like, he really put me on to a lot of them. And at, at one point, he was all East Coast all day, every day. He still kind of is because he's he's going to be 40 this year, not to shout out his age, but he really put, we're, the same, we're the same age. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah, he put me on and he's like, you know, there's a lot of hip hop out, out there. And at, at one point, I was like, no, F the West Coast. They don't have rap. But as in, you know, growing up and maturing, I was like, wow, Tupac has a lot of good music. So I started to appreciate his music in my in my college years. Mm -hmm. But growing up, like I really regretted not getting a jersey dress. I talk about this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I missed out. <laughs> but, <laughs> what? Yo, see, the jersey, see, I was in college when the jersey dresses became, but I think I just got out of college actually, when the jersey dresses became like a thing. Like okay. I want, like I wonder if I could still buy one. Can I get a men's one and just turn it into a women's one? <laughs> but that's definitely overachieving. <laughs> that's, that's overachieving. You, hey, there's nothing wrong with that though. I, I know just from like being in, see Detroit was always a little different because we kind of got, we kind of, some people were big into the East Coast side of rap. Some of us were, there's a lot of Detroit influence and West Coast rap. So a lot of us were also, we were fucking around with like a lot of the Snoop stuff and like so yeah. many of those guys were You're born. Right in the middle. Yeah. And they got fan, a lot of them had family in Detroit and Chicago anyway. So we always had kind of like the best of both worlds. But you mentioned that Locks album. See, we are the streets. I was in college. That thing, that album, that was around that whole time period where you had Locks and DMX and yes. Jay Z had just blown heard, up. Yeah, like you heard it in their voices. Yeah, yeah, that was that made me feel like I was, and I had hadn't been to New York much, but that made me feel like I had been in the city. And when I got when I first time That's I visited, awesome. the first time I, I it was like the first time I went out to the Bronx like a few years ago. It was just like okay, I really do feel like I'm walking through like a '90s rap video. This is like the this is like so dope. Just like kind of walking through all. Did that. you walk down through? I'm assuming oh. Fordham Road. <laughs> yep, I was like I, I actually. There was a point in time where I almost ended up getting a job at Fordham when I was going yeah. back and forth between South Jersey because there was a radio station that interviewed me. I was up that's for a job that's there, that's and I was up for a job in Philadelphia, and the Philly job called me back first. And that's, well, that's how I ended up in good. Philly. But I was between – I was spent a lot of time in Harlem, and I was – it's like that Linux, Linux Ave was something I'd only seen and heard about, and then I actually get out there as like, okay, I can tell it's been a little different. It change much. Like that's yeah. what I'm happy about considering like the hipsters – um uh i hate it so much like gentrification has taken over the city it pisses me off, I'm off how much they're displacing our communities like you don't see the same amount of black folks you used to see especially in parts of, like bushwick and brooklyn and even parts of bedstein now they're they haven't been too brave to go into brownsville because brownsville is very, still very much like you're not walking out of there with your sneakers <laughs> you <still laughs> <like> <laughs> but if you want the cheap rent, go to Brownsville, go to the Bronx. But it's just so annoying how you don't see folks like you and I anymore in the neighborhood. It's people that have moved. Like we call them, the word is transplants. That's what we call them. <laughs> <laughs> they, they bring out the worst of ever. We have that. 
We have that little by little in Detroit. Now, it hasn't become – because yeah. Detroit – the thing with Detroit was Detroit was basically abandoned because uh, people left. They, the, the, the white folks started leaving in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Black people started leaving in the late 90s, early 2000s. So we went from like oh. 1.5 million to like 600,000. Like we fell way off. Like there's oh. there's huge stretches of land that nobody's there. So instead of people being displaced, people just moved in like, well, shit, ain't nobody here. I guess we're taking this shit over. And that's how it just kind of wow. became where parts okay. of the city got moved. And it's like they're kind of rebuilding parts of the city. We have this one stretch where it is a lot of the hipsters, a lot of the college grads, the ones whose parents don't want anything to do with the city. They're coming right on in with the with mm -hmm. the neck beards and the opening up coffee shops. And, and I like a good coffee shop. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> they come through and they're wearing the Detroit versus everybody shirts and they can't actually name a single street like, you know, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just fueling the anger that I feel for it. And, and we're here. We're exactly right here because that's exactly how it is. Like they're calling Bushwick East Williamsburg. And I'm like, it's not. And then I remember there was a real estate agent. This was maybe five or six years ago at this point who was trying to market the South Bronx. He was trying to call it the piano district for the longest. And I remember I went on a big ass rant because like, no, who calls it the piano district? How do we're building? You know what? That's a whole I, new subject to talk I'm not even from New York City, and I know the South Bronx. That's just it. That's what it is. It's not yeah, the piano it's not district. The district. No. It's, it's the South Bronx, the South South Bronx. That's just what I hear whenever I I'm like, no, don't go changing that. That we could go on for hours about what they're trying oh, yeah. to do to some of the giving some of these weird names to Detroit neighborhoods. A lot of Detroit neighborhoods that no, it's just it's schoolcraft. It's, 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 yeah. it's Rosedale Park. That's what it is. It's mm -hmm. not it's not the it's not some crazy new city district like nah fam it's it's the north end that's what it is leave it alone it's just like exactly that, that's what to come over here on some christopher columbus you ain't discovering nothing that's it <laughs> no <It's, laughs> and that's that's why when i would go to new york city i would always be real like mad respectful of just everything up there because i know what it's like having people come in and try to judge you or try to i come in and ask a lot of questions I mean, like, okay, so help me understand exactly. this here. Exactly. As opposed to, like, especially parts of the Bronx. Bronx hasn't been changing too much, but I feel like it's going to head into that direction, unfortunately. But parts of Brooklyn, you'll see, like, there used to be, like, a whole bunch of Puerto Rican flags just hanging. Now, more, the majority of those flags aren't even hanging up anymore. A lot of the, the wall arts that were up there. It's just unfortunate. Like, you don't see it, and the rent costs are just going up so high. Like, where my future in-laws live, they live in Bushwick. And their neighbors downstairs, they moved out. They were paying amazing cheap rent, but now it went up from six hundred to thirty-two hundred. Why am I paying a mortgage to live in a three-bedroom apartment? No, I might as well just move to Jersey and buy a damn house. Thirty-two hundred dollars. Yeah, damn. Exactly. I know rents rents crazy up and down the East Coast, but I've heard those like a lot of the yeah. people are staying in these one in one place for twenty years because of rent controls. Yeah. And that's the only way to keep at least halfway sane rent prices. I've heard some stories about the going, doubling to thirty-two hundred dollars a month. Yeah, I just yeah. think about where I, where I am right now. Thirty-two hundred dollars, and my math ain't the greatest because that's why I was a journalist and not a math major. But my <laughs> math, my math's not the greatest. But thirty-two hundred dollars—that's like at least four months of rent that I got here. Four and a yeah. half, like three and a half months rent for thirty-two hundred dollars. It's like exactly. no, no. Like, no, fuck out of here. I'm not paying, I'm not paying yeah. that much. When I went over right before COVID started, um, it's funny. This is how you could see how the dynamic of the building has changed. 
some girl apparently got her AirPods stolen and she tracked it down and there was a sign in front of the door, hey, I found my AirPods here because of the find my iPhone thing. She's like, I know someone in this building has them. I would like for it to be returned. So I'm like, <laughs> if this had been in the hood, no one does that. You just take the L and you move on. If you want to buy a new pair, buy a new pair. Because <laughs> you, you show up looking for something that was stolen. You exactly. need to either show up with some friends of yours. Like, oh, yeah, not a sign. <laughs> no, you're not showing up with a sign. Exactly. Someone gets you for your shit in Detroit. The only way you're getting it back is if you come back with four or five people with you. Like, oh, yeah. bruh, open up. <laughs> like, I know exactly. you got it. Like you stole, you stole from the wrong dude. So we getting our shit. But we're t- we're getting our shit and taking your shit. Now come on out. We, that's not how it. No, nah, you can't no, just. That's not how it goes. Nope. No. No. It's fine. You should have had a better eye on them. And <laughs> if it was my future iPods. You know what? It's my fault because I wasn't taking care of it. That's it. Take that's that. How, that's how it works. I know that your favorite thing is sports, yeah. and I gotta ask you because this is we can go all sorts of places with this. Oh, what sure. first? What first got you into sports? What drew you to sports and drew you to journalism? Because that's the two things that drove my life. Even as a news anchor now, sports has always been my thing. What made that your shit from the very beginning? Well, I know I keep attributing a lot to my older brother, but he deadass was a big influence on me and my brother, on me and my little brother. So I got told you the age difference. He would have to babysit us. And it sucks that that falls a lot on the significantly older sibling. So he had to babysit us all the time. And he's a big Mets fan. So that's a reason why he fought, he dropped that <sighs> misery on my lap because I'm also a Mets fan. So he That was going to be a question for later. And I will get yeah. to that. <laughs> so he was babysitting me and my little brother. And he's like, all right, so I'm watching you. You're going to watch what I'm watching. So we were watching everything. And that's what it led into me following certain fields of life. And that's probably definitely where I got my passion in sports. And to answer the second part of your question, I've always kind of been drawn to broadcasting. And at first I was on the shy side. And I know that people say, since when are you shy? But I feel like I'm still, you know, it's, I feel like you're still blossoming even whenever, whatever age it hits you, it hits you. You're still growing. I feel like there's, we're like onions. There's so many layers to us. So I remember... I first told my ideas of like trying to pursue broadcasting and everything to my pediatrician when I was like 13. He's like, oh, I see you have a notebook. And I said, yeah, you know, I really want to be an anchor. He's like, really? So we're going to see you on Telemundo or Univision. So I was like, of course, like cross your fingers. So Mm -hmm. then when I went into college, it's funny. um, Actually, when I went into high school, I was in a course called yeah, it was called Laws and Humanity. And I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. Like, I'm like, yeah, I want to be a judge. I want to be the DA. I want to defend those that are being wronged and blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, actually, I don't want to go to law school anymore. <laughs> but I feel like that part <laughs> of me, <laughs> I always wanted to be a judge or a DA as well. So it's like, I feel like I had so many passions. I'm such a good listener. So I feel like I still ended up in a great career and going into college, I actually went in pre-law and I tried it. I was taking communication courses. And I said, you know what? I think I might still want to pursue the broadcasting. So then I started taking journalism classes on campus. I had really good influence with teachers, um, had some decent internships. And through the power of social media following graduation, that's where I kind of use it to my advantage. Like people are always saying, use social media to your advantage, but no one really explains what that means, which sucks. Like use it, use it, use it. But all right, can you give me a blueprint? But sometimes you can't even give blueprints considering like how far you even gotten in your career. Like, it's great to hear that you've been, you know, you're still broadcasting. And a lot of people 
are unfortunately facing layoffs and furloughs at this point. So I still say that we're blessed that we're still being able to at least collect the check somehow. So um, I started working with Black Sports Online. I was actually on the previous website with a former partner, unfortunately, just didn't work out. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of the website. It's called- Oh, I do. I I I know Rob, so I definitely know Black Sports Online. Yeah. So I own the website called geeksandcleats.com. So he was overlooking a lot of it. And when the website kind of fell through, he's like, hey, you know, you're more than welcome to come work with me and we can continue helping your career kind of blossom and everything. And this was 2013. And ever since then, I've just been working and working. And it's just crazy to look back because unfortunately, I was laid off from DAZN back in November. So that was the first time I was at a standstill. I'm like, wow, I kind of been busting my butt for the past few years. Yeah. So taking a look at it back now, like everything that I was doing, working day jobs and then working sports jobs at night. So you kind of just take back a second and say, wow, like you've really been busting ass lately. And now let's go back a little bit that uh, geeks and you said geeks and cleats. Yeah. What was what what was that? And just kind of because here's the thing. I talk to a lot of my college students about this sort of thing. And I told I was telling one the other day is like, look. Everything you do, even if it falls through at some point, you got something out of it. It worked, even if it didn't completely work itself out. What did you get? For one, what kind of led you to start that? And just how did the process go, even in terms of both the successes and eventually, unfortunately, as it kind of fell through? What what went on with that with you? Well, I met um, my former partner on Twitter, which is where I've met the majority of people, including you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, for real. And even I'm I'm even engaged to someone whom I met on Twitter. So (laughs) my fiance, we met on Twitter. Twitter's out here changing lives and in some cases ruining them. But we're not going to get into that until later on, though. (laughs) You never know. (laughs) But um, I met her on Twitter and we had a really great relationship. She was great. You know, we kind of had the same, she wanted to also pursue sports. So it's like we had the same mindset, same goals. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, a lot of um, family issues were coming up for her. So she had to take, you know, she had to put her career on pause. And I haven't even, I haven't followed her too much to see what her trajectory has been. But unfortunately, it is what it is. That's just a matter of fact. But the website was about literally comic book stuff mixed with sports stuff. So we would cover Comic Con. Um, movie events, and then we would also try to get sports stuff. I think we got like two or three sports events from that. And the website fell through, I think, like maybe two years or so after, which is still a pretty long time considering not a lot of websites make it six months. And we were just working our butts off. Like I was working my day jobs. So was she. Um, We administered a staff of writers, which is when people ask me like, oh, how did you manage your staff? And I said, a group chat. (laughs) Texting. (laughs) But yeah, and that led me to work with Black Sports Online. So what has it been, what's the kind of the atmosphere working with Black Sports Online? Because it's a different kind of site. It has its it is, people yeah. who love it, and it has its detractors. But oh, sure. And But what is it like being on that site? And, and also, what's some of the stuff like? I, I've seen some of the videos you've done, and we'll make sure we get your YouTube page and everything out, not only on, on this video, but also on the in the uh, description of this podcast. What yeah. are some of your favorite things that you've covered and been a part of with both BSO and even your previous site, too? Um, I feel like with BSO, I've just reached so many more levels than ever before. Um, but it's actually been a lot of fun kind of expanding your horizons, exploring more and seeing stuff that you probably thought you weren't even able to do. So my first assignment 
the reason why I said that is because my first assignment is, I'm sorry, was a boxing event and it was Memorial Day weekend of 2015. And I had never really learned how to score a fight. <laughs> so I remember <laughs> I was talking to Rob, you know, you're just a fan. You were all, you, you know, watching the Mike Tysons of the world, the Oscar de la Hoyas, that's all you really knew, but I didn't really know how to score a fight. So I literally was a little bit nervous, skeptical, second guessing myself. And he said, no, you could totally do it. You're fine. Just go do it. So that's a good thing that I've always can always say and never take away from him is the fact that I always got that push in my career and always was like, no, you could do this. Like we're so quick to second guess ourselves. And I think that that's something that a lot of us need to just work on. Um, but it's crazy just to look back at the events. Like I've covered teams. Like I, I mean, this would have been my fourth year with the Knicks, but obviously coronavirus took over. But I got to cover NFL movie events, random things like, hey, do you want to just talk to this um, this athlete? DM, um, emailing people. So it's crazy. And then you build your network, your connections through there, and people still remember you just because of how friendly and responsive you were. Oh, absolutely. I, this is the thing I say all the time. It's like people, it, I always judge people on how they treat others. Yeah. And if you treat people well, that shit always comes back to you. If you're an asshole, that also comes back to you, but not in the way you want. It, oh, it's, yeah, for sure. And, and I've just noticed I like that. In, say, I like to say that I'm a nice asshole only because <laughs> I don't like people. I feel like I hate when people t try to take advantage of you. Like, I can't tell you the number of times people try to say, oh, I want to pick your brain pause you're not picking my brain you're paying me for my knowledge mm -hmm. and then you're acknowledging me for sharing that knowledge with you so that's why i know i could be a little bit of an asshole but over also you can't let people take advantage of you either you have to know who's coming at you with good intentions because if i'm sharing an email what's to say you can't go online and find an email yourself i've done that plenty of times so i know that i've been a little bit on the jerk side but the information is all out there people just want a loophole and a shortcut so information that you could find yourself have you how many times have you dealt with somebody who tried to get over on you like that because i've dealt with that i think we yeah. all at some point have had at least one or two people try to finagle their way into doing some shit and they just see you as the kind of the yeah the, the back door in yeah exactly that's that's even better the back door in um a couple times especially with the knicks they're like hey can i get the email address to the um to the knicks credentials my dms are open i have nothing to hide so I was like, hey, it's actually online if you Google it real quick. Oh, but what do I put in? Nick's credentialing. Scroll. <laughs> you have to read the same way you're able to type it out through my DMs. You could also put that in Google search. And everything comes up. People think that these things are hidden. No, they're not. What's hidden is probably a response back to you because I know that numbers are, it's, a, it's more of a numbers game than anything. So it's like with Geeks and Cleats, I never would have been able to cover the Knicks only because we didn't have those views. But with Black Sports Online, that's why I'm able to sit on press row. How, what is it like sitting on press row in Madison Square Garden? Now, the, the actual Knicks team aside, oh, yeah. being I, just Madison Square Garden itself, the, the mecca, if you will. What was it like the first time you sat down on press row in Madison Square Garden, the world's most famous arena? I remember feeling like, okay, so you've seen those movies where people are entering New York City and they're going around in circles in Times Square, like ooing and eyeing and all the lights and the, the tall ass buildings. That's exactly how I felt like. But I appreciated it more only because like, I'm like, wow, I'm really here. I got an opportunity, but I'm not a Knicks fan, so I can't take it all in, which is a blessing also. I'm not a Knicks fan. <laughs> that's another story. 
but yeah, but I remember when I got in, I said, wow. And I remember I was really, this is when I was definitely still on my stubborn ways. I didn't want to ask for help. I'm like, no, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure out how to walk into the arena. I'm going to act like I own the place. And I'm like, all right, locker rooms that way because they have signs, thankfully. And I said, where's the arena? And I'm like, hmm, I wonder if I take this way. Oh, okay. I see the back of the bleachers. This has to be the way. But it's crazy because now people ask me for help. And I'm like, damn, I wish I, was, I wasn't I was as stubborn <laughs> myself. And I should have just asked for help because I feel like that was embarrassing to me. Like, I should have known. I should have owned this place. But at least now I can own this and say, no, I should have been smarter and asked for help. How, a, how can I get to the arena? It's, <laughs> how can a, I get to the <laughs> it's that growth aspect that we yeah. all kind of run into that. That first time it's just like, oh, I know what I'm doing. I got exactly. this. It's, and the whole time you saying like, I do not have any inch of this shit. I don't know where exactly. the hell I'm going, but I can't. They're not going. They're not going to make me look bad. I can't do yeah, it. Yeah, like a friend of mine. He has a really successful podcast with the New York Post, and I remember when he was going, maybe what two weeks? No, uh, earlier this season. He's like, hey, at what time does it open? At what time does it close? And asking me questions that are normal. Like I didn't even get annoyed that he was asking me questions, only because he's in the field. But I'm like, damn, I wish that I was a little bit on the smartest side and I would have asked those questions. <laughs> <laughs> we all learn, though. Yeah. That's a, live and, that's a live and learn type of thing. You you covered the Knicks. You you also grew up a Met fan. Yeah. And as someone from Detroit who has unfortunately been saddled with a team in his life that oh, yeah. has made me unbearably miserable, that would be the, the that would be the Detroit Lions that has made me unbearably miserable my whole life. You ended up a Mets fan. Now, I've always wanted to ask a New Yorker this. You guys have two teams in that city. Yes. You have the Yankees. You have the Mets. I grew up in an AL city. Ain't no way I'm ever rooting for the New York Yankees. It's just not going to happen. Oh, I, sure. my, gonna my, happen. My, my team is one of the few that can say we've never <laughs> lost to the Yankees in the postseason. It's just like it's just a thing. It's the, it's the Tigers. True. Tigers did that. But how, do, uh-huh. how does one become a Met fan in New York with – all that history, all that hype that surrounds the pinstripes and the twenty, the twenty-seven rings, and mm-hmm. and and the Derek Jeter and all that other, all other shit. How does someone end up a Met fan in a city where the Yankees have done all this shit? So, in a city where the Yankees have done all this shit is where my brother and my mom came to America. They were they both um they both emigrated from South America, and my brother came right when I think he was what. He was five. No, he was four when he came to the country. And then he was he remembers the 86 World Series. I wasn't born yet. So that's why, like, that was the that was the decade that the Mets were just owning it. Obviously, they only won once, but there were still so many iconic moments, whereas the Yankees lost, obviously, earlier in the decade. So um, then I think there was a lot of drama. Obviously, the Yankees hadn't won for about, what, 20 years at that point. And yeah, they they went from 81 to 95. They didn't even make the playoffs. They missed playoffs yeah. 14 years ago. One that then won it in 96 and ended up winning exactly. three in five years or something crazy like that. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I think that I, I honestly I wear my orange and blue cap loud and proud. I am obnoxious during the subway <laughs> series. I'm a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I, but during the postseason, I do support the Yankees because at the end of the day, it's hometown. I remember so many friends of mine who are big Mets fans during the 09 series, they were rooting for the Phillies. And I said, Yikes. young New Yorkers, I will never root for anything Philly. I hate all, no. Especially you. not the Phillies. The Phillies exactly. and Mets. <laughs> I, I've, been, I've been in Philly five years. And they, it's like, there's two teams in this city that they despise. 
the Dallas Cowboys, which, of course, right. and, and everybody, we all agree on that, the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> and the New York Mets. And there sure. is just like, they hate the Mets here. They hate the Mets you as know. much as they hate the Cowboys. And you know I couldn't I imagine that. You know, I went into Citizen Bank Park my first time going there with a T-shirt that said, fuck Philly. <laughs> 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 but it was the best $15 I spent. I love the t-shirt. I remember security asked me, you're going to have to flip that around. I was like, of course. So I flipped it up, but you could still see the letter. You, you just do it the other direction. It's like you yeah. read it backwards. I was like, y'all can read. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I live in a city that has, I, I see so many fuck the Cowboys t-shirts and signs and, and Dallas sucks and everything else. It's like, that's the one middle ground that Philly and New York will always have is that they may not like each other, but nobody likes the Cowboys. 100%. Like all the memes that are coming out from COVID, they're making the masks. And there was a meme that I saw and I was dying. It's um, It was a whole bunch of Cowboys masks. And people are like, put these on. You'll never catch anything. <laughs> so, it's messed up in retrospect, but it's reality. It is. Now, <laughs> and see, you mentioned the 86 Mets because the – I'm. I was seven years old when they won the championship. I actually can still remember the ball going through Buckner's legs because I saw it live on TV. Because I had just started playing little league baseball. That was first baseman. Beautiful. So yeah. my thing was, I remember yelling at my mom, "Is like he didn't get his glove down in time." <laughs> I didn't know too much about it. I just knew the place was going nuts. Yeah. But I I loved Daryl Strawberry. I, I was a big fan of Doc Gooden because you just didn't see so many black players. That's what I was so, just gonna say. My brother was very much. Um, I mean, if you see us three together, we literally, you know, we're Hispanic. We are a mix of everything. We have African in us, Indian, whatever the hell. We're all <laughs> of everything. But he, at the time, he was like, you know, there's no representation on the Yankees. So that's why he's like, I don't, there's nobody on that team that looks like me. So he identified with Keith Hernandez, um, Doc Good, and John Strawberry as well, like you said. So it's it's great that you mentioned that because I agree with you. Like, we need those little league. That's why... I forget, what's his name, Tim um, from the White Sox. I forget his last name. Tim Anderson. Thank you. I I feel like he's going to be such a great pivotal player because we need – you can't just depend on the Afro-Dominicans to drag more numbers in from African-Americans. Like, we speak a different language. That's That alone shows that there's a barrier there. You know, oh, yeah. we need more – and people wore Griffey's number just because they saw him playing. Like, that to me is beautiful. Like, that's 20, how inspirational it 24 is. 24 was my number. Yeah, because strictly because of Ken Griffey Jr. Exactly. Funny thing that you mentioned that was when I was with uh, NBC when I was working for Grio. Uh-huh. I covered my first World Series in 2012, and the way that the exactly. that whole thing fell into place was at the start of the baseball season. They always come out with the breakdown of the percentage of black players in the league. So 2012, it comes out as the lowest percentage ever, like 8.5 percent. So it's seven, if I'm not mistaken, which yeah, is, it's, pisses me off. It's dipped yeah. even more. So I hit up my editors. They were in New York. I'm still working in Detroit at the time. And I told them, "Is like, I have an idea. I'm going to go through every roster and I'm going to find the team with the most black players in their starting lineup. And I'm just going to follow that team's path throughout the season. So I start scrolling through every single team and I get to the American League Central and I go down. It's like, no, the White Sox only have one. Uh, Cleveland. Well, screw Cleveland. I'm not going to do that anyway. But it's like, so Cleveland, get that out of the way. I go to the Tigers. I start going on the list. All right. So we got Quentin Berry, one. Austin Jackson, two. Prince Fielder, three. Mm-hmm. Delman Young, four. Holy shit, we got four of them. And I, I, and I just put a little push pin next to it. I go through the rest of them. It's like no other team had more than two. So yeah. it's like, oh shit, so it's going to be Detroit. 
So, all right, I know this team. I got credentials to cover them anyway, so let's see where this goes. Next thing I know, my ass is sitting in sitting in the press box when they win the AL pennant and beat the Yankees. Mm-hmm. And now I'm thinking, oh, God, I've got a World Series to cover. And I'm doing it here, and i got to travel and go nowhere. Exactly. And each one of those guys, when I did a story on that, each one of them said the same thing. It was all about the representation, where each one of them grew up watching guys like Griff and Tony Gwynn. And when yeah. I talked to Ryan Howard when I got here to Philadelphia, his thing was Ozzie Smith and all these other guys. When, when you grow up and you see that, you have that representation. The Tigers, I think, only had like one white dude in their whole starting lineup. It was nothing but black guys and, and, uh-huh. the, and the Afro, Afro-Latinos. The Cuban, you had a, a Alex Avila, he's Cuban. You had the three Dominican guys in the team. Yeah. It's like it's just like a friggin' it, – it's a, it's a cultural fruit salad in this – in here where – even seeing Victor Martinez and they're playing bachata music with yeah like it's infiltrated the it's honestly and I can't wait it's I can't wait to actually experience a game in in the Dominican Republic because I've never I've never actually been I haven't had the opportunity to go but it's just a different atmosphere and I feel like when people say that baseball is boring I get offended because I'm like it's not boring outside of this country it's because the front offices are so damn white and conservative that they don't realize that if they don't change the front office, there's not going to be any ticket sales. Like these players can't be the only things that are drawing people in at this point. There has to be more of a bigger initiative. I think of the when the the uh, World Baseball Classic a few years ago. Yeah. I did a whole episode. You have to go way back in the archives. It's like episode 34, 35 of this when yeah. they played that game in Miami between the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico. That was a that, fun game. That sounded like a Super Bowl. I had never yeah. heard. And it's a, like a middle of March game. It's out of season. <laughs> but yeah. I don't think the Marlins have sold a game out in that building in like years. That place was I filled top to bottom. Hernandez unfortunately passed. I don't even think that game was sold out. No, I, I think it was close. That was probably as close as they came. But yeah. that stadium, it sounded like the Super Bowl in there. And I watched that whole guy. I watched it with the Spanish commentary because I wanted to, to get, the whole, get the whole thing in there. The and whole excitement. I, it, it's, it is. It was, and it was so dope. Like that place went nuts. I think it was um was it I think it was Nelson Cruz at a home run. That place went insane. El lanzamiento conecta batazo enorme hacia el pelo hacia la raya. La pelota se va, se va. Bárbaro el batazo. Se pierde en las tribunas. And I'm just thinking, this is what baseball actually is like, where you have Javi Baez throwing no look relays back across, and people are like, we didn't know baseball was this dope. Well. You haven't seen it played in Latin American countries. You've only seen this admittedly boring shit that we've played here in the United States for the last 15 years where the whole you play the game the right way and you don't flip your bat and you don't you you don't show emotion and everything. Stop it. It's like I love. No, that's I've always wanted to see a game either in Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic. I know the Tigers were down there before the season got completely shut down and. I thought that was the coolest thing ever because it's like you get to see how much it meant to those guys because so many so many of those guys are Dominican. They, they, how much it means to those guys that there's a, there's something there with the game of baseball. That's what drew me in. Baseball was my thing before basketball, before football. I can watch a baseball game start to finish and not get bored with it. Same, exactly. Only because like for same as you, like I grew up with it, so to me it's not boring. But to others, I could understand why. I have no problem with the game. The game, I feel like this is this is exactly my problem with Robert Manfred right now. Like he he keeps trying to shorten the season, shorten the game. The game is not the problem. It's literally the front office. Like how can you guys transfer that same 
culture into the league and they just haven't figured it out because they're all white. They don't have anyone that looks like European <laughs> there. They've driven they've driven and the thing is they've driven largely black players are have left the league either which is crazy to me to it's think true. about it because yeah. with the direction that football has gone in where guys are getting where they're now recognizing the head injuries and the fact that baseball has you have to have the same athletic ability in baseball that you have in football. Except yeah. you're not getting the shit kicked out of you and yeah. leaving with crazy head injuries. You make much more money. The money is actually guaranteed. Yeah. But there are no yeah. programs in a lot of these inner cities for kids where I grew up in like that last generation that had little leagues spread out across an actual city. In the hood, we had just as many baseball, pal baseball leagues as we had football leagues. And kids yeah. actually would. Now it's all the travel teams. It's not. It's too expensive and See, that I can go for hours on this because it's always bothered me because I've always said it whenever I have a kid, I'm putting a I'm putting a glove in that kid's crib. I'm just saying, learn how to like, learn how to throw that split finger kid because we're gonna make all kinds of money off this. Yeah, like at least do something, but you know you have to they have to do it till they like it. Like my niece wants to play soccer and I remember she was asking me, she's like, How do I play softball? And I was really excited because I played softball. So I'm like, I got you, I could put you on. And she's like, you know, I don't think I like this. And I said, all right, it hurt my feelings. But at least she said she said her opinion. But at the end of the day, it's still about representation, like you're saying. And they don't see themselves in these players. Why would they why would I encourage anyone to be a part of it? And that's really what I've always been about in terms of when you cover a sport, particularly baseball, because as y'all have heard on this podcast and heard me say in interviews before and things like that, the biggest thing about baseball is it's such an inclusive damn sport. It's so ridiculously diverse and it's so ingrained in so many different cultures that we don't do it a good enough service by not just having diversity on the field, but off the field in terms of management, in terms of people covering the games, everything. So that part of the conversation really struck a chord with me because Clearly, Erica gets it, and she loves the damn game. Now, before we go into this break, and you can kind of hear it creeping up underneath me now, it's a new track from a man, Chef K-Dot, out there in the Motor City, and you know he's always got something cooking up in the damn kitchen. And this is for all of y'all who miss those breezy nights, whether it's in the spring or the summer, no matter where you are around the country. Trust me, we're with you here. Shout out to my man, Chef K-Dot. I'll have his contact information in the description of this podcast coming up after this break. We're going to talk more with Erica about being a part of an immigrant family, about pretty much her drive to not just simply be a typical reporter. Plus, we do get into some sport, more sports stuff, talking about the Knicks, yeesh, and also talking about our greatest sports heartbreaks. We're just getting started here on episode 112 of the People's Podcast. This is J. Scott Confidential, better known as JSC Radio. We'll be back with more from Erica Fernandez after this. Social distancing slows the spread of coronavirus, so we should all stay home to lower the risk for everyone. More info at coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. You're listening to the People's Podcast. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. This is JSC Radio. 
man, do I love card night. You ready, boys? You got a king? Go, fish that. Oh, come on. <laughs> this is WWE superstar Titus O'Neil. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. You're listening to the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. This is episode 112 of the People's Podcast. This is J. Scott Confidential, better known as JSC Radio. Welcome back. J. Scott Smith here. want to thank you all for rolling with me on this 112th episode. I know it's been a grind, and obviously this pandemic has changed so many things for so many people. I hope you're doing well out there. I want to shout out all the people on the front lines, the essential workers, talking about all the first responders, whether you're medical, EMTs, doctors, nurses. Shout out to everybody working in retail, fast food, the journalists out there. Yes, we are essential. And we don't get nearly enough praise out there as much as we deserve. So to all my journalists out there who've been on that journalism grind, whether you're TV, radio, digital, newspaper, shout out to you because you're dealing with job losses and cuts and everything else. I want to big up all the first responders out there as well and everybody else who's been doing their thing throughout this pandemic, having to try to keep things somewhat on an even keel. And be sure to follow us on all the social media providers, of course, I'm J. Scott Smith, J-A-Y-S-C-O, two T's, S-M-I-T-H. I'm J. Scott Smith on Instagram, J. Scott Smith on Twitter. I am real J. Scott Smith on Facebook. And the show, of course, is JSC Radio across all your favorite podcast providers. Now, let's get back down to business here, talking with Miss Erica Fernandez. And we pick it up as she talks about growing up in New York City as a part of a family of immigrants. We get to know a little bit more about her background and what it was like coming up in a multilingual home, one of the most diverse places to grow up on the entire planet. We pick it up with Miss Erica Fernandez right now on the 112th episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio, better known as J. Scott Confidential. Let's get back to our conversation with Erica Fernandez. This is a presentation of JSC Media. By the way, you mentioned you're Latina, you're Dominican, and I always Ecuadorian. I had to, that's why on the cover of this thing, you'll notice there's two flags there. I wanted to make sure I equally represented the both of them. When you told me that, it's like, oh, well, I can do that. I'll take care of that real, real easy. So being Latina in this country, where the way we, the way that this country has been, well, the way this country's always been while we're keeping a a buck, but (laughs) the way it's been the last few years, for example, being a Spanish speaker. I've wanted to learn. I said I wanted to learn Spanish because eventually when I cover baseball games, I want to be able to actually go back and forth with these guys in in Espanol. My Spanish is eh, it's still there. I understand it more. I understand it better than I speak it. So that that's my thing. But what's it? I guess being bilingual because you speak a lot of Spanish being bilingual. How important is it to be able to speak multiple languages when you're covering these sports? And when we're talking about representation, you go into a locker room and you're able to speak their language. What does that mean to guys and what does that mean for you? To me, it's more intimate. To me, it feels like you're paying attention to detail. Like, I remember, I forget his name. Um, he was on the Knicks briefly, and he also played with the Lakers. Jose something. He's Spaniard. Calderon. Thank you. I think it's, I think it's Jose Calderon, because he, play, yeah, he played Detroit Calderon. a little bit, too. Yeah. yeah. 
And obviously he's a native Spaniard. So I love that. Like we were talking Spanish all the time. And then the other reporters would be like, oh, what is he saying? And I'm just like, you can learn the language, but that's up to you. <laughs> but I feel like it's just so much, it's, it's so much extra personal. So I feel like even as a future parent, whenever the hell that is, I want to make <laughs> sure, <laughs> I want to make sure that that kid learns Spanish, like Spanish only household, because it's such a good tool. Even though I've read so many articles about a dual bilingual brain, how we operate, it's really intriguing. I'll share with you off the call because it's literally how my brain thinks. Like sometimes I can't think of words in English and vice versa. But I watch a lot of Spanish programming just to make sure that I don't lose that. My parents don't speak a lick of English. So I feel like that's where I'm always going to speak English. I'm sorry, speak Spanish to them constantly. And I remember there was this writer, this MLB writer wrote a story on uh, Luis Severino, Yankee pitcher. And him at the time, he didn't speak Spanish. And that is, I, I feel, I think that's the same picture with the, oh my God, who put the stuff, the the tar on his baseball. I do remember that. Yeah. yeah. Severino had it on his hand and, and they, they, yeah. they, they caught him in the middle of the game. So the article that was written was very touching because he couldn't even express himself what he was doing in his language. I'm sorry, in English. And these translators, half the time, they don't really translate it well. They don't really even convey that emotion because... The first thing that you're thinking is that he's cheating, but it's like in DR, it's like, oh, I'm just having a better grip. But here, that's it's a different story. It's, so it's illegal. Yeah. I read that article and I'm just like, wow, I never even thought about this because I speak both. So I, I can't say I experienced that. But him obviously coming into a into an English speaking league, so to speak, and not being able to really express himself. And he was saying that he was just stuck in the middle. He was just looking at everyone with cameras and he didn't even know how to express himself. So. That's why I'm like, all right, had I been in that locker room, that would have been great because I could have asked him everything ins and outs. And I probably would have been able to understand him more as opposed to him being labeled a cheater. That is interesting that yeah. you think about that because there is such a different gap. It's like because being able to speak that language and speak it very well. I know some guys obviously over time learn English. They get to they get to speak it a little bit better. Some cases it's just it you just see their eyes light up when somebody walks up to them and immediately just goes right into Spanish. Because yeah. then you can tell you're getting a you're getting a more genuine response from them. They know that either even if you're not a native Spanish speaker, but you're somebody who learns the language, it means you're trying to get to understand them better. It was exactly. that was that was that is interesting to think about, too. And I know, obviously, uh, Dominican Republic is so integral to the sport. It is so integral to baseball that it's the, the DR and Puerto Rico are and Venezuela are so integral, especially yeah. na- Cuba, too. Mexico Every, uh, as well, yeah. Mex- Mexico, did, which is still crazy to think that all that's such a Spanish-speaking league, essentially, and it's in a country that will say really stupid shit to people about speaking Spanish in public even to this day, which you don't see that. I mean, it happens in New York. It happens everywhere, unfortunately. Yeah, but, for sure. But it, it's not exactly – it's never well-received anywhere, but trying to tell somebody to speak English in New York City, good luck. <laughs> See how well that that, go, I'm that goes for you. For the moment in which it happens, and I happen to be next to my parents because that person's gonna get like the biggest cursing of their life because I'm I'm just gonna send them from here to Wyoming. <laughs> no, it's disrespectful because absolutely it is. Yeah, and I know like my parents have been here. I think my my dad made forty in twenty nine. Oh duh, he made forty years last year that he came to America, and my mom I believe thirty five if I'm not mistaken. But they. Unfortunately, like I feel like this is something that we struggle with. Like, is it a cop out that they didn't get to learn the language, but then they were so busy working, taking care of their kids, you could see it differently. But now that they're retired, do you have an opportunity to learn the language? 
Probably not at this age. Do you even want to learn anything? Do you want to just chill, go out for a swim, go for a walk? <laughs> just want to mind your business, basically, yeah, live your life. Not, that's, yeah, that's why. And then I read another article years ago, and this is where I give my brother a lot of credit. That they'd say, they, they say that the oldest sibling kind of had to carry that burden a lot where they had to help them with homework, translating, and everything. And then it falls down to the next sibling. So being you have to make sure to just stay to your roots as well. If your parents don't learn a language, stop speaking to them in English. And you're first generation born here in the States. Yeah, first generation. That is, there's so many stories like that that come out of New York City, which I just, that's why it fascinates me so much. We, I mean, Detroit, we have that. We obviously, every city has immigrants. This is a country of immigrants, regardless yeah. of what the red hat wearing crew will tell you. <laughs> this is a country of immigrants. For and real. we got to, I mean, in Detroit, it's mostly we have a lot of African immigrants. We have a lot of Arab American immigrants from the Middle mm -hmm. East. We have Southwest Detroit is where is it's affectionately known as Mexican town. My dad, who's black, wow. grew up in, my dad's black, grew up in Southwest Detroit, where they've got signs in English and Spanish. They've got some of the best like restaurants and everything are are, are just there. It's it, it is such a it, it it's so interesting when you think about like the diversity that's in this country that makes it so great. I will. I, I can ask you this before before we go. So you're a Met fan, and yeah. you've also you've also covered the Knicks. I'm someone who grew up. My NBA baptism came with the Bad Boy Pistons, and <laughs> they were they're the rare they're they have the rare honor of being the only team to have defeated Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson in yeah. an actual playoff series. Nobody likes to bring that up for obvious reasons because they <laughs> had to change. They changed the whole damn league rules because <laughs> Detroit decided, all right, enough of that. We're just going to own this. The thing about the Knicks I always liked in the 90s is that they were a lot like the bad boy Pistons. Unfortunately, they ran into prime Jordan at that point. But it was, what is it like for people in New York? Because just like people don't understand how I can be a Detroit Lion fan, I've never seen them win anything in my life. The Knicks have at least gotten close. I've never seen the, Pistons, the Lions win a thing. What is it like as an observer, an, obje an objective observer, seeing these Knicks? What the hell is wrong with that franchise? And <laughs> how did a franchise, uh -huh. all, my, all my slander of them aside, how did a franchise that's that valuable in that city become that terrible and maintain being that terrible for as long as they have? Because that blows me away that at one point in time, I really rocked with the Knicks, and now – I don't want anything to do with them. And I can imagine what it's like for a lot of people in, in yeah. New York. Honestly, it, I feel for Knicks fans a lot. And one of my close friends, he complains to me about them all the time. And it's funny because I'm a miserable Mets fan. He's a miserable <laughs> Knicks fan. Orange and blue, shitty ownership. What's the deal? Are we the same? Yeah, we're pretty much the same. But... <sighs> You can't even figure it out. And I wonder if they just need to be, oh, my God. They, sometimes like you end up just end up wondering who did some sort of case of brujeria, which is, the word is witchcraft. Because <laughs> 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 I'm wondering. Like, I've literally sat here and just wonder what's going on. And then when you see players leave the team, they're doing so good in other places. And I just wonder, who put a hex on this team that's that bad that you just suck? <laughs> Like it's the same no guy. Happy. It's the same guy who cursed the Detroit Lions in the 1950s, apparently, or 1960s, apparently. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! And that—that's the only thing that gets me about the Knicks is like they have like 
they have a fan base that's very what's the word there's a level of weird entitlement amongst a lot of nick fans and i'm trying to figure that out because at the same time i'm sitting here like y'all ain't really been any good in 20 plus years like it's one thing if y'all were good five years ago y'all ain't been good since 99 oh yeah i've always maintained that that 99 team that 99 nick team they weren't an eighth seed. I know they were an eighth seed, but that was a 50-game season. Mm-hmm. And, had, and had that been an 82-game season, they were probably a four, either a four or five. They wouldn't have been an eight. There's no way, because that team was too good. That's the best damn eighth seed I've ever seen. They, there was no – they had still had Allen Houston and, and Spreewell, and it, it, there was no way they were that, they were that level. But they ain't mm-hmm. been that good since. They had a couple of those nice little playoff years, but they ain't been any good since. And – that is so wild that it's like it's become a running joke, like when Durant didn't go there. And I knew Durant wasn't going there. Oh, I yeah, he wasn't. No. Like, Durant ain't going there. But you I know, don't even blame him. He doesn't need this type of misery and this type of negativity. And he's like, no. <laughs> that, man <just laughs> won, that man had just won two championships in Oakland. It's like, why am I going to leave that to go to the Knicks with James Dolan? So I can, well, you can throw, so James Dolan can throw him out of the arena like Charles Oakley? Like, what? what? Uh-huh. Were you there that night for that, Charles I Oakley? I was. Yeah. What the hell was that like? I did a podcast episode on that, and I went, I, I'm like, what did that look like from inside the garden seeing an icon getting hauled off? Yeah, to me it was crazy because, like, cops got involved, security got involved, and I said, did he punch somebody in the face? Did he assault anybody to get dragged out that way? So I was very much confused and I just sat up there and I was looking and I was sitting next to a friend of mine who's also a reporter. And I looked at him and I'm like, that just happened. He's like, yeah, that just happened. So the atmosphere booing started. They're lucky that they don't get people bottle caps in that arena because I would have been all in that direction. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason why they don't give you bottle caps. In them, and, and that's my suspicion, at least. But <laughs> that 99 series was hilarious because my brother... Um, Again, I don't mean to keep referencing him, but he dead as is a big influence. But oh, talk about him. Talk him so, up. <laughs> he actually was following Tim Duncan in college. He really liked him. And then when he got picked by the Spurs, he's like, okay, so we're now Spurs fans. <laughs> so we were rooting and I'm like, oh, so we're not we're not going for New York. I'm confused. So I remember fifth grader, no, fourth, fifth grader. Yeah. I remember paying attention, looking at the colors and wondering, wait, that's not orange and blue. I'm confused. Put me on. <laughs> So ever since then, that's why I can say I'm a Spurs fan. Ever since that moment, I never, I can't say I ever rooted for the Knicks. Interesting. Then, I was, yeah. I was going to ask you which team because I'm guessing it's clearly not, it, it's not Brooklyn because I've even people I've heard known in New York is like they just can't really rock with the Nets outside of it's like almost like the gentrifiers team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or the, up the block, considering how much rent is going for around there, who lives around there, where you don't see any minorities living in that area barely. So it's it's all a mess, but. <laughs> So but you're, yeah. But you rock with the Spurs. I see. I always like San Antonio. Yeah. I like the way San Antonio plays. Mentals, you know, they're, they're not. They're they're cool. They're good money. So yeah, I, they're, <laughs> they're they're dependable. Chips. Yeah. So I'm they're, good. They're dependable. The only thing of it's like I've always rocked with the Spurs. Obviously, the one year I didn't was 2005. But I've always <laughs> I've always rocked yeah. with the Spurs. I'm never going to get the sight of. The funny story about that that night with Game Five in in Detroit is that mm-hmm. the Pistons at that point in Detroit were just the biggest damn thing. When yeah, the Pistons are good, one year before, yeah, when the Pistons are good, mm-hmm. when they're good, they own the whole damn city of Detroit. Like the, yep. not the 
not the Lions, not the Tigers, not the Red Wings. The Pistons own that city when they're good. Yeah. And they had just won that title in 04. They go to San Antonio, lose the first two games, come back, blow out the Spurs the next two. And there was this restaurant, this Piston-themed restaurant that would be packed. Like, packed. Yeah. Like, they opened up a movie theater just to get extra people into it. Like, it is packed to the rat. Just everybody is in there. And they were up one. And I remember they had just scored, took the lead. And I'm standing next to this dude there. I'm not reporting or anything. I was working at a radio station. I was just off the clock in the full piston gear, had the jersey, everything. Plenty of jersey dresses were there that night. I'm, <laughs> I'm there, everything. And I see the inbound setup, and I see Ori standing on the, uh, on the, on the sideline ready uh-huh. to trigger. And I see Rashid guarding him. And the first thing I say is I look at my man. I'm like, bruh, they got this. As long as they don't leave Robert Ori, do not leave him. I said something else that I won't repeat here, but do not leave that uh, on the on the sideline. Don't do it. Yeah. And as soon as he triggers it in, it goes to Ginobili. I see Rip pick him up, and Rashid leaves to double, and you can hear everybody in the place just go, "Oh shit!" And it's like <laughs> as soon as as soon as he kicked it to Ginobili. Rashid runs to double. The ball goes back to Ori, who's open on the wing. And everybody, you could just hear a pin drop in that building because we all knew what was going to happen. Because oh, yeah. he hits the shot every time, and it just ripped our damn heart out. And that's always the one that I thought that got away because they won. Mm-hmm. Pistons went to no went San Antonio. And won, they won game six. That's what drove me wild. It's like they go to San Antonio and win game six. And they hadn't won in San Antonio in years. And they go to San Antonio and win game six. I'm like, yeah. they would have won the fucking title if they just covered Robert Ori. But I almost couldn't be mad because I respected the hell out of the Spurs so much. I, I that was like it was it sucked, and mm-hmm. I still hate that because the Pistons should have five championships instead they only have three. But <laughs> it, it 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 drives me nuts that that Spurs team that I had spent so many years defending when people called the boring and everything else they gutted me. That that goddamn Robert Ory gutted me, and I said, really. <laughs> I, but I I've all I can respect that. I can respect the Spurs. Uh-huh. They were they've been good for they've been good forever. And they always did the things the right way. They were just good for a long stretch of time. And you gotta risk they were like the alter they were like the the bizarro world version of the Knicks. They were good all the time and did all the shit right. You said the bizarro world. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's even crazy, like the 2012, 2013 season of the Knicks, like that. People still keep reminiscing on it. And when you go to basketballreference.com, I look at those. I look. I like to look at numbers and stats, and it's just crazy to see the decline. And you still cannot believe that it's actually happening. Like, how is this even possible? How can a team be this bad? But then you look at other teams. It's like, oh, okay, it's expected. <laughs> you could be that bad. <laughs> it happened because yeah. I do the same thing with the Pistons. They had yeah. that stretch from '02, where they was oh really it was 2001. They got. They had a 50-win season. They had like six straight 50-win seasons, got to the conference finals six times and five, two, time, uh, two times in the finals, won one championship. They were yep. consistently just good. Like every single year, you could count on them 52, 53 wins and just mm-hmm. consistent. Even after Ben Wallace leaves, they still have a – they had a 64-win season. It's like they just killed it, and then they traded Chauncey Billups, and it was an instant decline. Chauncey got traded for Allen Iverson, who in Philly, he's treated like a god in Detroit. We cannot stand Allen Iverson. You can't even mention Allen Iverson's name in Detroit. It's just like they tra- what if someone's passing out. Yeah. You, you trade you traded essentially the best point guard since Isaiah Thomas for a dude who didn't even want to be there. Exactly. A, a dude who was washed and didn't want to be there. Yep. It's, it's like it's a bad name. combination. For two seconds. Yep. And, I agree with you. 
and they the Pistons have not have they immediately went into the tank like it was instant. They mm-hmm. haven't won a playoff game in twelve years. They've only yeah. made the playoffs three times since then. They made, they've they've lost fourteen straight playoff games, and it's kind of like how the Knicks are. It's like you could see the decline, and you yeah. look at the numbers. You look at the look at the guys on the team. They had the one year twenty sixteen where. Maybe if they played any other team in the first round, they would have had a fighting chance. Instead, mm, they played yeah. LeBron and, and got manhandled. <laughs> no but the, the, in 2009, they made the playoffs of like 36 wins. Who did they play? LeBron. <laughs> and, and got, got done. Wow. Last, yep. last year, they back into the playoffs at 500. This time, they get Giannis and they get smashed. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. like. Like, come on, dog. And that was such a good series, too. Like, not to offend you, but I was actually going for the Bucks. I was like, wow, the Bucks are going real good. Like, oh, I was, I'm a Piston <laughs> fan, and I was, and I'm sitting there like, because I knew when they got there what was going to happen. And their, and their yeah. ownership is so, their ownership's kind of like the Knicks. They're just so hell bent on just making the playoffs. That was their thing. We just yeah. got to make the playoffs. We have to make the playoffs. No, not if you're not going to win. I, we've seen them win. We've seen the Pistons win, like make the playoffs and do something. Don't just get there and get clapped in four games. Go there and actually, you know, win, do something. Y'all, y'all like the Lions. When you make the playoffs for the Pistons, you're supposed to win. They exactly. got there. Just, just get to the, we just want to get to the playoffs. It'll show improvement. We're, we'll make the playoffs. Just make the playoffs. So they refused to, because they, they were no good. They were like five, six under 500. And they just made this weird push to make the playoffs and then Giannis just beat the shit out of him for four games. <laughs> it's it was it became comical. I would be at work yeah. openly rooting for Milwaukee. It's like no, <laughs> this is what y'all wanted. This is what you wanted. And Pistons Twitter can get pissed off at me all they want to. No, they all will. all yeah. these young all these youngsters who weren't even old enough to remember 2004 talking oh. about I'm I'm not a real fan. Like fam, I yeah. cried. When Bird stole that ball from Isaiah, don't give me that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was alive for that. That was the first heart, that, was, that was the first heartbreak of my life was was Bird stealing that damn ball. And it's just like so. I don't want to hear from Piston Twitter about. But what about progress? Fuck your progress. They got their That's, ass kicked. Like, yeah, you know what's funny now that you said that. Some some big Mets account tweeted that a couple of days ago. Like, what was your biggest saddest moment regarding the Mets? Not even the 99 World Series on because I was really young. So I remember being upset, but I, 2006 really hurt my heart. <laughs> oh, my God. I cried. That was 06 <laughs> because, of course, I have my – because Detroit lost that World Series. So I know all about that one, too, yeah, is that 06. <laughs> I remember watching that game seven when dude leaves and makes that, that amazing catch. <laughs> I yell I, – when yeah. he made that catch, I looked at somebody because the Tigers had won the pennant by that point, and, yep. mm-hmm. and they, they were just game. waiting. And they were yep. just waiting. I looked at somebody and said, oh, shit, we're about to go to New York. So like, okay, let's do this. And when the Cardinals <laughs> won, I'm like, wait, how? <laughs> like – what the hell is this? A 1968? What the hell are you doing with the Cardinals? <laughs> the Cardinals are trash. The Tigers are beat the shit out. Nope, the, the Cardinals beat us in five games. Because I can still see Curtis Granderson stumbling around in center field in St. Louis when he lost the ball. And they oh, couldn't throw a ball from the mound to first that whole damn series. It drew me, it just See, this is what gets me angry. I want I, That's why I always want to think about the walk-off that won the pennant. I don't talk about the five games that came after <laughs> in the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> at this point, like when people like SNY lately has been posting a lot of Mets classics from 2015, and I said if they don't stop posting this year, that ended so miserably. <laughs> I can because so 
so you follow me after that what's funny is that i was really sad for 2006 only because of the way he went out he didn't yeah. even but whatever i'm not gonna get into it but, <laughs> but 2015 really pissed me off because i'm just like this is how we're going out you and me both yeah, I, I was rooting so hard. For, I was rooting so hard for the Mets. I was watching one of those games. I was in North Jersey. Yeah. I was I, I was in North Jersey. And I was watching one of those World Series games. I I can't stand the Kansas City Royals. They're trash. That yep. that whole franchise they're is garbage. They've been nothing. They're they're always going to be like this. Low, they haven't been legitimately good since the early '80s. They were just bad. Yep. And I'd sit there mm-hmm. and say to myself, "Wait, the Kansas City Royals are going to win a world title, another world title before Detroit does? Really? The, the Royals." <laughs> who lose 100 games a year every year. This franchise is going to win a World Series and do it in five games? Yep. Detroit had like, out like runs. That. Yeah. The Tigers had these runs every we out here beating the Yankees in playoff series, having epic mm-hmm. comebacks, all these big games, all these pitchers, and the Royals are going to get one before us? Really? <laughs> the sorry-ass <laughs> Royals are getting this before us? Crazy, like us reminiscing about these games, like the, the playoffs were supposed to start today. They were, we were supposed to be in the middle of baseball by now. It was supposed to start earliest it had been in years. I'm sorry, the first time ever it had started this early. So this sucks. Like, we have it, no sports. Fucking <laughs> and I don't watch none of these stupid horse games. ESPN is walling out for that. That shit is whack. <laughs> Terrible the, cameras. No, no thank you. The horse games. and It's, it's either the horse games or classic sports. It's yeah. one of those two. You're either getting the horse games and the or the, the – uh, the um the the esports leagues, in, yeah. including the NASCAR driver who decided to drop a really a, a really fun racial slur in the middle of one of those races, and you're either getting that or you're getting the classic games. Oh fuck my god! Him. Literally, <laughs> fuck him! No, <laughs> that, that dude. Getting away with this shit, stupid. <laughs> 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 I don't understand. Like, I know that a lot of people. Like, I've had this conversation. I personally don't use it. But I know that a lot of people do use it as a term of endearment, and I'm conflicted by that because of its origins. So, and then that video the other day came out with, um, like, you want to use it? Go ahead and use the word, and then you're going to face the repercussions. I forget who the actor was, and I know you saw the clip. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot his name. Oh, damn it. But, like, no, you don't, why do you have to be in temptation to try to use it? And then these two idiots that got expelled, good for them. I'm happy that they got expelled for that racist-ass video that they posted on TikTok. I mean, I have already my other opinions on TikTok, especially, um, I'm, I don't know if you know, but I'm sure you do, but TikTok apparently has been known for promoting lighter skinned people on their feeds. So I said, wow, that's some racist ass shit. <laughs> it really is. Disgusting. That's total bullshit. Oh, it, and I don't even mess with, I mean, partially because I'm not exactly in the age demographic for TikTok. I feel weird when I You're see somebody. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not in that. I, that is not my bag, and I'm perfectly fine with that. And when I see, if you're over 40 and on TikTok, what the what the hell are you doing? Get your ass off TikTok. <laughs> go, read a- go, read a, go, go read a book. <laughs> go get, go take your ass back to, go take your ass back to Facebook where the, where the grownups belong, for God's sake. Don't be out here trying to do these stupid TikTok dances. You're 60 years old. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> go, go, go watch Hallmark. <laughs> this is not... This it is not your bag. Me, yeah, and it makes me wonder like, where society is going towards. Like, No, you shouldn't be. Just because you're angry doesn't mean that that entitles you to get use this, this sort of racial slurs. Like, I know that I've been infamous for using the one for Hispanics, and I lessened it because <laughs> I said, you know what? 
this is actually, I, I decided to do some research and I said, you know what? It was actually really disgusting to learn where it came from. And I said, you know, let me stop using it. <laughs> but other people do. I'm not going to call them out on it. But, you know, I feel like that, like you said earlier at the start of the cast, I'm sorry, at the start of the podcast, it's maturing. So whenever it hits you, it hits you. If you still want to use it, by all means, but. If, if you're going to do it, just understand that yeah. everyone's like, well, it's about freedom of speech. Well, you do have the right to say it, and you also have the right to get fucked up if you do. Exactly. <laughs> you got to pay. Though like That word doesn't come for free. There, There's a cost that comes yeah. with that. And I, I mean, I've never – I've only used that word, I think, on this podcast, I think, once or twice, and it's quoting yeah. something. Okay. And, and it's like I generally just don't use it in most spaces. Now, obviously, I'd be lying. I'm 40 years old. I'm black. I grew up in Detroit in the 1980s and 90s. I've been listening to rap music since I was nine years old. Of course, I've used the word before, but I would never be yeah. stupid enough to say it in a general setting. If And I, and I have my, conflict, my conflicts about using it. And there's yeah. certain, I always feel there's a time and a place for everything, if you're just if, if you're sitting back kicking it, cool. And nobody, you're not going to be sitting on social media saying it. I'm not going to be tweeting oh, it. No. I'll be I'll be damned if I'm going to tweet that. I won't retweet. A, I won't send out any retweets that have that word in it. Not if yeah. I can help it. It's, it's just like no, it's true. And it's like I know that it's part of the satire. Like you know, oh, blank, blankly thinking that things are out here. And I'm like, damn, if they had just put dudes, then I could share it. But because like, it just like come on. Yeah. Like, like, come on, bro. We can't do that. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, it's such a hilarious joke, but it, just because it has that slur in there, I can't. And it's never been a part of me to use, obviously, the N-word. I, I don't know. I've always felt, felt weird, probably because like I already knew the undertone of what it is. Like I know exactly where that word came from. So probably why I've never really said it. But I have friends and family who say it like, in every other sentence that have no problem saying it. It's a, and I mean, obviously New York and New York, just like Detroit, like that's a, yeah. it's, it's, it's just flies anywhere. I listened to, I watched Jesus and Mero. I listened to Bodega boys, their yes. podcast, which is oh, super dope. Pretty much every other, every oh, other. Yep. Word is, and it's like one is Hispanic. The other one is Jamaican American. Who do you attack? You know, is it, uh, it's, it's always, it's just a conflict that we're going to have forever. So we abolish the word whenever it, the hell that happens. Yeah. And as much as I would love to continue <laughs> this, I will. I do want people to know where they can get to you, where they can hear you, where they can see you. Put yourself out there. Put yourself over whichever language you want to use. Do it because I got because <laughs> we oh, do get we. Hey, I, I do find out I've gotten a lot of listens in Spain. I get a lot of listens in in some of the Latin American countries. Speak yeah. whatever language you need here. This is this is a bilingual. This is a multilingual podcast. Even though I I can't speak the language as well as you do, but let people know where you're at and get any other shout outs any other things you want to promote putting out there please do yeah so for you guys you have heard me here on j scott confidential jsc radio you already know i'm erica fernandez known on the social media realms as curls and sports as you can see my hair is big my passion is bigger mm -hmm. <laughs> um you guys can find me on youtube as well same name and hopefully soon to come a podcast but i don't know if i'm going to start that soon because who knows when sports is going to return to our lives and the thing about podcasts are as as i have learned this started off as a sports show and it's just become a show about conversations there's always something out That's there true. and right. and whenever you want my door is always open all i got to do is pop this pop this mic on and i'll give you as much time as you need uh, it, thank you this has been it is this has been a blast to talk to you and now we will we will talk all the time now oh 
because sure. this is uh this has been really cool erica fernandez thank you so much That's muchas gracias for coming on <laughs> j scott confidential it is greatly appreciated and thank you so much for your time especially in the midst of this ridiculous ass pandemic and there you have it another one in the books i want to thank erica fernandez again you can follow her on social media at curls and sports that's all one word c-u-r-l-s curls and a-n-d sports all one word is on instagram and on twitter and on facebook but you better come correct because she does not play around with you Honestly, she's one of the, like, just a total sweetheart. She is. Save for what she, save for the Philadelphia thing, but I, I'm, and I apologize to my Philly people, but hey, she's a Met fan. I'm apologizing, but I know that she won't. I want to thank all of you who support this show up and down all the time as we get ready for episode 113 and working on getting another guest for 113 or maybe, who knows, my, I might do another stream of consciousness from my bathroom because that's probably where I'm going to be recording this episode from, too. Either way, I want to thank y'all for supporting this show as we continue to push through this and we will get through this together. I guarantee it. I will. We will get through this together. My name is Jay Scott Smith, telling you to take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. Always have your pets spayed or neutered. Wash your damn hands, wear your damn mask, and keep your social distancing. We will see you for episode 113. Until then, goodbye, everybody. You know I went into Citizen Bank Park my first time going there with a t-shirt that said, Philly. Social distancing slows the spread of coronavirus, so we all need to stay home to lower the risk for everyone. More info at ny.gov coronavirus. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. You're listening to The People's Podcast. Have you ever been unemployed? Were you nervous, man? Yeah. All right. Man. This is JSC Radio. This is a presentation of JSC Media. I heard on the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online. For like a year, she couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.